Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road Church in Guildford, UK. Thank you for joining us on the journey, wherever you are in the world. You can find out more about who we are and what we're up to at EmmausRoad.com. Well, this is a, a, a really particularly exciting uh, Sunday. Uh, it's the first time we've done a Mission Sunday. And um, let me just explain, uh, around March, April time every year, we do Vision Sunday. It's the start of the financial year. We set out the vision for the year in response to things we sense the Lord speaking to us about. Uh, we take up a big old offering, and, uh, and it's always a wonderful time. And then six months later, we've always sort of done a second uh, Vision Sunday. But we've been thinking about that, and we feel a bit weird about doing it twice in the year. But also we thought... Do you know what would be really great is really to focus on mission, to focus on not just sort of, as it were, building ourselves as a church, but to focus on the poor and the lost and how we can make a difference sort of out there in the rest of the world. And uh, so we are going to focus today particularly upon uh, mission. Uh, Archbishop William Temple famously said, the church is the only society on earth that exists for the benefit of its non members. And we want to be like that. We're strongly committed uh, to that uh, at Emmaus, not just to being here uh, to provide comforting religious services for those who uh, would already call themselves Christians, but our vision is mission. Uh, we are here to uh, reach the lost. We are here to love the lonely. We are here to bless the city. We are uh, here uh, to heal those who are hurting, to inspire integrity in the culture, to change lives. We gather together on Sundays in different contexts in order to scatter and make a difference in the world. We are light, uh, we are a city on a hill, but we're also salt, seeking to make a difference in workplaces and schools and streets and throughout the region. And actually, our desire to um, change lives, our vision for mission is both local and translocal. Uh, locally, we're seeking to change lives through Alpha, uh, through church planting. We're going to be commissioning uh, Woking, uh, the Woking church plant in just a bit, through youth work, schools work, and personal witness, each person just sharing their faith, and through community outreach as well. Uh, and, and then when we step out of sort of these postcodes, and we start to think about uh, the nation and the nations, and particularly Europe, which is arguably the darkest continent on earth right now, the only continent in which the Church of Jesus is not growing, uh, or at least holding its own, is Europe. And so we are here at a key time for this uh, continent. And so through partnerships, uh, through prayer, and through mobilization of mission partnerships, uh, we are seeking to engage strategically with the gospel across uh, mainland uh, Europe. And it's going to be a little bit of an unusual talk because I'm going to be sharing it uh, with uh, David Yagnazar, uh, who's going to be talking a little bit about the wonderful things God's doing uh, in Iran and amongst uh, uh, Persian peoples. I'm going to be sharing it with Jake Clark, who's got a wonderful story to tell us, with Jazz Crown, who's going to be talking a bit about uh, our community outreach 
program recently. And also, uh, we're going to hear the voices of some of our mission partners around the world by video. So it's going to be a, a, an unusual uh, a message. And uh, then at the end, as I say, we are going to be commissioning our church plant into Woking. This is a moment we've been preparing for for uh, many, many months. And there's been training. Many of you are going to Woking. Some of you already were there, and now you're, you're going to be part of the church plant. And uh, so we're going to be commissioning for that. We're also going to take up an offering today, and it is for mission. It is uh, for us to be able to do more, to make a difference in the lives of those who don't know Jesus, who aren't near church today, and those who are really struggling in life. So let's turn to Luke chapter 10. I think it's going to come up on the screen as well. Luke chapter 10. And uh, we're going to read verses 1 to 8. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs amongst wolves. Does it ever feel like that at work or at the school gates? I'm sending you like lambs amongst wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals or credit card. And do not greet anyone on the road. And when you enter a house, first say peace to this house. We are sent to bless. Peace to this house. And if a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you when we bless uh, some people are able to receive the blessing and some are not able to receive the blessing. Um, stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you. That's very significant, of course, in a culture where what you ate was integrally part of your worship. You were very careful about what you ate. And Jesus says, no, eat whatever they put before you. Sometimes when we engage in mission and we cross cultures, we can find ourselves in environments that make us feel very uncomfortable. But Jesus sends us to bless and to uh, participate in people's lives. Eat and drink whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Enjoy it. Enjoy the blessing that comes back to you. Do not move around from house to house. And when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick. Uh, who are there, and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. I want you to get a sense of the excitement, uh, the energy, the momentum around Jesus in this passage. Uh, we've done terrible things often to uh, Christianity. It's so often seen as a little irrelevant, a little boring. But this is an incredibly dynamic moment. In fact, if you look at the context, uh, you read the previous chapter, the momentum is breathtaking. In chapter 9, Jesus has sent out the 12. This is the 72, but he's already done a mission team just before that. He sent out the 12 to proclaim the good news and heal from village to village. Then he has fed 5,000 people. And then Peter has declared him the Messiah. 
And then Jesus has climbed a mountain and been transfigured and appeared with Moses and Elijah. Then he's come down the mountain and he's healed a boy with epilepsy. And in the midst of it all, he's received some significant opposition and he's predicted his own death twice. That's quite a chapter. I mean, most of us, that would be like five years if we're lucky. That's happened in one chapter. And then we step into chapter 10 and Jesus sends out the 72 in pairs. And, and, and get his sense of confidence. He, he says, listen, it's going to work. He says, the harvest is ready. Anyone in an agrarian culture knows that when the harvest is ripe, you've got to get busy. You don't hang around and wait for it to rain. There is a time to reap the harvest. There is an urgency about the opportunity of the moment. He says, the harvest is plentiful. It's not just ones and twos. There are many waiting for what you are carrying. And, and then he says, look, the real problem here is not that people don't want to become my followers and receive the kingdom of God. The real problem here is there aren't enough people to carry the message. And so you need to pray. You need to ask the Father, the Lord of the harvest, to send out workers. And um, we are radically committed to that as a church, not just to proclaiming the good news of Jesus, but to praying for the mobilization of mission. We believe this is a time where the church should not be hiding away in defense, but this is a time of phenomenal opportunity when the good news of Jesus is more needed uh, than perhaps ever before. Jesus says, go, go, not survive if you can. Go. The harvest is plentiful. He says the kingdom of God is near. There's a sense in this, uh, this passage of, of, of saying to the 72, you are carrying so much authority. When you are in a room, when you are in a house, when you are in a town, there's a sense in which the kingdom of God has come because you have come, because you are an ambassador. You carry the presence of God. There is a sense of do you know what? You're lucky that I just arrived in your home or your town. Not because I'm anything special, but because I am a carrier of Jesus. Carrier of the good news, the power of God, the potential of what can happen. You know, when you invite a Christian into your life, you invite someone into your life who will forgive you. Someone who will love you. Someone who will lay their lives down for you. Someone who will reconcile relationships where they're broken. You bring someone into your life who will serve. You bring your life, into your life someone who is plugged into the most creative and most uh, beautiful and most joyous being in the world. And so uh, rather than us apologizing, I'm so sorry, I'm a Christian, there's a sense here of walk tall because you're carrying the kingdom of God wherever you go. And that's our vision. Our vision is mission, therefore. It is to ask the Lord of the harvest for the mobilization of mission, to pray, and then to go and do it. Uh, not just with words, but with our whole lives. And uh, we want to do it in the Guildford region and throughout Europe. And our experience is that the fields really are ripe, that this is still very much true 2,000 years later. The only limitation is the workers. It is the mobilization of people to talk about Jesus. Um, as you know, in the, in, in, in over the last year, 
we've done our, our maths and we found out about 12% of this church came through Alpha in the last year. Uh, and uh, that means they're either discovering faith for the first time or really taking their first steps and getting their head around it all. And so there is uh, an openness to the gospel. When you go over to the lighthouse in Woking, just opposite the station there, and you see all the different incredible ministries, the toy bank and the food bank and the uh, uh, esteem project for, to help women, particularly women, get back into work and the uh, projects educating uh, refugees and the job creation schemes and the prayer space and all the hundreds of people coming through. You just think the harvest fields are ripe. The opportunity is extraordinary. And uh, I'm going to invite Jazz Crown now to come and talk a little bit about just one outworking of our heart for mission. Uh, this is the Community Outreach uh, Program. We've rebranded Family Outreach as Community Outreach. So uh, I think this is a bit we're meant to take the stools. Are you able to climb up there? So, Jazz, tell I've us. I've lost my shoes. That's Getting okay. myself comfortable. Yeah, no, please uh, relax. Tell, just those who don't know, tell us a little bit about, about community outreach. What's the, what's the vision? How does it work? So community outreach is about being missionaries here on our doorstep in Guildford. Um, and Guildford is often seen by so many as this beautiful, wonderful, lovely place to be, which it is. There's so much wealth in Guildford. Um, but we mustn't be fooled by the shininess of our town centre because actually there's a huge amount of um, financial and emotional need in our town. And so what sort of things are community outreach doing to try and engage with those who are finding life really very hard? So there's a few things that community outreach do, but one of the things that we do is work with families who are um, living below the poverty line or are perhaps struggling. Um, in 2011, way back in 2011, um, Guildford Council published some statistics that said there were 3,000 families living below the poverty line in Guildford. And given all the recent stuff that's been going on, that will have only have risen in the last few years. And so we um, get referrals from homeschool link workers and social workers and other professionals that work with children and families in our area. Um, and we, um, we focus on friendship and relationship. And we're all about doing things with people, not at people. Um, and we seek to see families' lives who are perhaps struggling and transformed by kindness and friendship and ultimately the hope that we find in Jesus. Wonderful. So give us uh, some examples of the kind of things we do with people and it's been quite a busy few weeks hasn't it yeah absolutely so the other week we um for example took there were just under 60 of us all went down to alice holt for the day we played games we had a also alice holt it sounds what? like an elderly lady yeah, maybe, maybe there is an old lily lady called Alice Holt. But it is, um, it's a big country park. There's loads of woods. You can hunt the gruffalo, which is really exciting. And um, we had a picnic. We played games. And we all got to know each other a bit more. And families who maybe don't have the chance to get out and about in summer holidays had the chance to have a really good day out together. And then the following day, um, we had the privilege of being able to um, kit out 30 children um, with their entire school uniform for the year. Um, so new, sc new school shoes, um, backpacks, shirts, absolutely everything you can think of. Um, Claire Jones even cut everybody's hair, so she did 25 haircuts. It was so speedy. She's a haircutting machine. So 
Amazing. Was it like 30 seconds ahead or something? <laughs> this is Claire. Give us a wave, Claire. Marvellous. Just, just so you know, Claire is actually a, formerly a professional hairdresser. It's not just some random person <laughs> with, with some hedge trimmers that we found on the street. Um, why, why, why were you buying uh, um, uh, uniforms for people? Why were we doing that? Um, we were doing that because we believe that Jesus is passionate about those who don't have, and he wants to see those who are living on the edge of our communities brought right into the center of our churches. And actually, um, so many of these families, without a bit of help, wouldn't be able to afford this. And actually, we'd be able to say to these families, we can put shoes on your feet because Jesus says you are worth it. Um, and there was um, one family... Um, two sisters who are completely different ages had been sharing a pair of school shoes and we were able to buy them their own pair. They were beautiful, they lit up, it was very exciting um, and now they are able to go into the new school year with their own pair of school shoes. I just can't, it's so scary isn't it, going to school or going back to school or starting a new school. I just can't imagine how, what a difference it must make to actually sh show up not feeling embarrassed or ashamed about what you're what you're wearing. Um, it's, it's the most wonderful thing. And, and that's, that's funded just what, by what people put in, in, in the offering on Sundays, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Stunning. Brilliant. Anything else you want to say? Um, if you want to join the team, it'll be the best thing you do this year. So, yay! Brilliant. Thank you so much, Chaz. So we're trying to make a, a, a difference in people's lives with the good news of Jesus, which is not just spiritual, but can it be as practical as a new pair of shoes or, or a trip to the country park. Uh, and um, we're trying to do that locally, but we're also trying to do it uh, all, around, all around the world, particularly uh, through our partnership with 24-7 Prayer. And so uh, we're just going to show you a little video now uh, that we've put together. Uh, we have uh, mission partnerships. That tends to be with organizations. Uh, but we also have what we call mission family, and those are really people who are part of our family here who God has called to move translocally uh, in order to carry the good news. So take a look at this video now. My name is Ian Nicholson. I've uh, lived in Guildford for many years. I became a Christian in Guildford when I was 17. I led a church here, very involved with 24-7 prayer and the beginnings of the boiler room, which then became Emmaus Road. And uh, it's been so exciting over the past eight years to be chaplain at Woking Football Club. I simply, on an instinct, I suppose, wrote to the club and within a day they'd appointed me, got in touch, said this is exactly what we're looking for. So I'm a, a pastoral presence in the club. It means I have opportunities to share about God's love, to pray with people at all levels, whether staff, players, uh, fans and so on. And um, what I've found is that when you get involved alongside people, God just opens doors. So I'm now a director here. Uh, I'm also very involved with seeing chaplaincy develop around the country, so there are you know, many, many new chaplains being appointed at all levels of football and in other sports. And, uh, but probably the biggest privilege is simply that of being able to share God's love and be a Christian presence around people who 
would never imagine he'd be loving them or loving the way they are or who they are. And uh, that, I suppose, is the heart of mission, just expressing the love of God in environments where he is not known. So it's a privilege to be here, and thanks very much for your support. Hey, look, we're the Slims. My name is Dave. I'm Liz. And we are mum and dad to Tilly and Sebastian. Uh, we lived in Guildford for 16 years and uh, were part of Emmaus Road for 10 years. We were part of the leadership team uh, there from right at the beginning and uh, I was part of the staff team as well. So that all changed when we really felt God was inviting us to explore what it means to be part of the 24-7 uh, community here in Ibiza, uh, as well as looking to plant a church right into the heart of the community. We're very excited, 24-7 does a number of activities, including the street patrols that they do on the streets here during the summer season, as well as working with some of the sex workers in the clubs and on the streets. And over in Ibiza town, Danny and Lydia are doing amazing work with the Romney Gypsies in South Penya and reaching out to some of the homeless people there as well. One of the really exciting things is we're developing and growing a team to come here and help us plant a year-round community, uh, not just serving the work that happens, but also the people that live on the island year-round. Joy and David James. We lived in Guildford and Woking as part of Emmaus Road for six years before being sent as part of Emmaus Road's mission family to Tower Hamlets in East London, where we live and serve with our two children, Noah and Liberty. Our team lives in a predominantly Bangladeshi Muslim neighbourhood where we make disciples of Jesus amongst those who are on the margins of society. We serve as a family amongst those we're trying to reach, and our work here is quite varied from caring for and empowering our neighbours who are in need leading Discovery Bible Studies amongst homeless community who have arrived here from around the globe, to engaging with local Muslims in spiritual conversations on the streets and at the mosque. We are so grateful to be able to partner with you all at Emmaus Road in seeing God's kingdom come here in East London. And for all your prayers and encouragement, we'd love you to come and visit us here in East London and show you around our neighbourhood. So do let us know when you're here in this direction. Thank you. Thanks. We moved here in 2009 to Skopje, Macedonia, the capital city, from Guildford. We're originally both from Guildford, Anna and I, and we were part of the 24-7 boiler room and 24-7 prayer in the early days. We've got our prayer teams, mission teams, prayer rooms, and we moved here to work specifically with a community called Glasnost. Macedonia is a country where religiosity is everywhere, but it's hard to find real faith and um, an expression of a rela relationship with Jesus. So it's within that context that we work with Glasnost. We help them to serve the local community through feeding the homeless, educating young, vulnerable Roma children, um, running alpha courses, discipling Christians, etc. Anna and I are both in a position where we're able to work here. So Anna works in an international school here in Skopje, which is, has the opportunity to meet and work with many, many children from different countries around the world. I have the opportunity to, to run a business here. We started a food export business where we export Macedonian food to 17 different countries around the world. And uh, we're able to practice our faith every day in, also in those contexts. As part of that, in 2015, we found ourselves in the middle of a refugee crisis, passing through the country, and that's really changed our lives uh, in a positive way, and we've been able to impact and work with families, and we now host and sponsor a family from Aleppo, Syria, here in Macedonia. 
We want to take this opportunity to thank Emmaus Road for all your support and love and care over the years, and we hope to connect with you again soon. Thank you. My name is Frances McLaren, uh, born and raised near Vancouver, Canada, but for most of the past 10 years lived and was a part of the Emmaus Road Church community in Guildford. Uh, last summer I moved to join the 24-7 Polylux community, uh, who are a group of friends uh, living and loving their neighbours on the Datsburg housing estate in northeast Germany. Uh, the Datsburg is known for high levels of unemployment, uh, high reliance on state benefits, and many people here tend to feel a bit forgotten or worthless um, and struggle to believe that they have much potential or power to, to change or influence the course of their own lives. Uh, we live to creatively find ways that people can know that they are loved and valued um, and can connect with and experience the love of God for themselves. Um, we also hope to see and develop um, an expression of church that fits this community. A uh, community that doesn't really have much time or interest in what they perceive Christianity to be. Um, so yes, yeah, so that is who we are, that's who I am, uh, and just a massive thank you to who you are uh, and just for the amazing support that uh, you continue to provide for myself. Thank you. One of the things that strikes me with those messages from all those different people doing wonderful things is also how simple it is. That once you get over the sort of, uh, sort of you know, change of going to somewhere different, it is about sharing your faith and sharing the good news of Jesus in very practical ways. 1 Peter 3 verse 15, the apostle says, In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. And always uh, be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to explain the reason for the hope that you have and do this with gentleness and respect. And it's a beautiful teaching there about how we do mission, whether it's in Datsburg, Germany, or Skopje, Macedonia, or Tower Hamlets amongst Bengali uh, people, or, or at Woking Football Club, wherever it is, we all, each one of us, can always be prepared to explain to people the reason for the hope that we have. And, and, and that means that we have to live in such a way that provokes those questions, that shows the hope. If we're as miserable or as cynical or as silent or as scared as the people around us, we aren't going to provoke the questions about the hope that we have. And so maybe one of the questions each one of us could be asking ourselves even this coming week is, how might I show the people around me that I have hope in a world where North Korea is doing what it's doing and President Trump's doing what he's doing and Brexit is, is chaotic and people are suffering and hurting? How can I show my hope? in such a way that people might then come back and say, what's the reason that you are so full of hope? But notice it says, do it with gentleness and respect. This isn't about Bible bashing. And so Ian Nicholson very simply wrote a letter to a football club. That's how it began for him. David and Joy James in Tower Hamlet are often just, you know, 
sharing food with people, or talking at the school gates. Phil Evans has started a business. Uh, Anna Evans is working in a, a, a school. Uh, there are other uh, mission family members. Beth and, uh, and Eden Paris are probably here somewhere. That their calling is to, is, is to South America, and uh, they've come back to have their second child, but will be going again. Uh, we partner with Matrix Trust, working in, in schools uh, all around this area. We partner, of course, with 24-7 around the world. We partner with the Cambodian Hope Organization called CHO uh, in Poipet, which is uh, up in, on the border between Cambodia and Thailand, and numbers of people uh, from this church have been uh, there in, in, in uh, Cambodia, uh, serving in different ways. Um, uh, Eliana and Hudson uh, were out there for six months. We sent uh, uh, Jess and Andy Meiklem uh, and um, uh, Mike uh, Stanbrook uh, went out to train them in Alpha. We have uh, uh, Rosa, who's one of the leaders, coming here later this month. We're going to be interviewing him. Uh, and uh, we've got another team going out to Cambodia in November, uh, which if you'd like to join it, it's getting late, but we have still got some space. If you'd like to go on an incredible mission experience with a beautiful country and see just frontline, uh, deeply integrated uh, engagement with, with, with uh, social and spiritual need, then I encourage you, think about going uh, on, the, on, on the team to Cambodia in November. And so we're working locally, and we're working around the world, and we're part of something much, much bigger than us. And one of the great stories of the harvest fields being ripe of our time is undoubtedly the extraordinary movement of the Spirit that is going on right now uh, amongst uh, people, uh, Persian people, the Iranian peoples. And uh, it, it is the most incredible story, and we're so privileged to have the Egnazar family as part of uh, this, this church who head up Elam that are resourcing this, this, this revival amongst uh, Iranians and to have Ladan as part of this church uh, who is uh, again uh, leading church uh, elsewhere in a country uh, near uh, Iran uh, and, uh, and uh, helping to disciple hundreds, disciple hundreds and hundreds of people. When she's back here, she's just sort of taking notes and she goes and does it there. And so we, 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 we love Ladan. So uh, let's just welcome David Yegnazar to the stage. Many of you know David. He's off crutches, which is good news. Um, David, here we go, let's do the stool thing. David, tell us a little bit, first of all, about, uh, about Elam and what it does and why it does it. Uh, Elam is a mission that uh, exists to strengthen and expand the church in the Iran region. Uh, the Lord is doing, as, as you've said, great things among Iranians. It really is absolutely incredible. We've got a few Iranian Christians here. Amir Hossein and Bahar, can you stand up? Morad, can you stand up? They're part of our team, but they're here. Each one of them has a great story. Golnar, you're here as well. You can stand up as well. Um, yeah, God is doing incredible things. It's just uh, remarkable. But it's also a reminder that the gospel is true and it works. 
So give, give us a sense of, of, of what you see happening right now. And, and maybe, for those who don't know, a little bit of the background. Yeah. Well, I, wa I want to tell you a story, actually, uh, that will sort of capture how the Lord is working and really hopefully encourage you that, uh, you know, why should we as Christians be involved in mission, as Pete's talking about today and the church is focusing on? Nadia was born in Iran to a family of six children, a Muslim family. Her father was an angry man. He never showed them any love. And whenever other people spoke about the support, the love of their father, she just couldn't understand what they meant. Uh, her father used to abuse them physically and emotionally, and especially her mother. Her, he would beat her, his mother so he would beat her mother uh, often, sometimes to the point of death, every time she would survive, and she would stay on to uh, protect her children. Nadia remembers the day that her father was beating her brother in order to kill him, and the brother had to run away barefoot into the streets, and he never came home again. Uh, so when she was old enough, she decided to leave Iran in order to leave her father's home. She ended up in the UK. She was depressed. She was uh, uh, alone. And uh, she'd given up on her God, the God of Islam. And she hated men. Uh, so she prayed one day. She was alone in her room. She prayed. She called out to the God of creation. She said, whoever you are, I have one request and the request was that she wanted to die. She said, I don't have courage to kill myself. Didn't want to shame my mother. And so I said, God, one request, kill me. And Nadia says, God didn't kill me. He gave me life. Uh, a week later, she met a, a lady who heard her story and arranged for her to go to church for the first time. In London, she went to the church. She felt the warmth of the welcome. And I tell you, the welcome that you give people the first time they walk into a church uh, is so important. She felt the warmth of the welcome. She felt the presence of God in the worship. And at the end, there was this guy talking about Jesus, saying that he's a savior, he's a healer, and calling people to trust in him. And so she decided, I'll give it a shot. She trusted. She prayed and said, Jesus, whoever you are, I'll try and follow you. She had been depressed on antidepressants, and I would take them every day. And if she ever missed one, sometimes she would feel ill. She would pass out. She, had been, she was addicted to these antidepressants. But when she, gave her, when she prayed and trusted Christ, she began to feel joy. She began to feel um, something different. She stopped. From that day, she stopped taking antidepressants. And then um, she had a problem. These Christians would call God Father. And uh, for her, Father was a negative word. Why would you call God something so awful like a father? And uh, to her, the word mother would have been a better word. But God began to work in her heart. And uh, in her word, she says, as I read and studied the Bible, I encountered the love and the grace of the Father. As I prayed, I felt the attention of the Father. As I worshipped, I felt the hug of the Father. 
And so she began to serve and follow Christ and follow the Lord. She told her mother about Jesus. She said she was a very strict Muslim. She'd been to Mecca. She'd done all the religious things. She said, I'm 60 years old. I'm set in my ways. I can't change. But when Nadia told her story, her mother knelt. Today, her mother worships Jesus. When she told her nephew, who was not a believer, who was anti-God, he was changed. Today, he worships Jesus. Her sister-in-law had a problem. She told her the gospel, sent her a Bible verse. Her sister-in-law today worships Jesus. Her sister saw the difference in her life. Today, her sister worships Jesus. Her brother was an atheist. Today, he worships Jesus. She shared with 11 members of her family in Iran. They all came to Christ, but not her father. Her father had left her mother some time before for a woman who was much younger. And so they'd lost touch with him. Nobody caused a lot of pain in the family. Nobody would spoken to him for years. But then the Lord spoke to Nadia and said, call your father. So after a long, long time, she called her father and told her her story. And they began from England to Iran. She was calling him. And she began to speak to him. She shared the gospel with him. He wasn't interested. He had married this younger woman who was actually Nadia's age. And she actually began to speak to this new wife. Uh, one day she called. Her father said, I have bad news. I'm dying of cancer. And he was really in his last days. The young wife left him. And uh, Nadia told her mother, who was a believer, loved the Lord Jesus. And the mother decided to go back to her ex-husband and serve him and nurse him on his deathbed. And Nadia, three days before her father died, felt she should call him one more time and told him the gospel. She told him about the thief on the cross. And she said, Daddy, just like the thief, you can be forgiven at this point. And her mother was there holding her father's hand as he smiled and gave his life to Jesus Christ. Amen. Incredible. Amen. Incredible. And, and the thing with you is, every time I talk to you, you have a different story like that. Give us just finally some sense of the yeah. scale of yeah. what God is doing in Iran. Uh, the scale is, um, in 1979, there was an Islamic revolution. There were only about 500 Christians from a Muslim background. Uh, people thought that small church would die under the persecution. Instead, it's grown. It's um, become the fastest growing church in the world. There are hundreds of thousands of Iranians like Nadia and her family who've come to Christ. And so we're involved in training and sending and uh, resourcing the church with Bibles, books, resources, all sorts of things. Absolutely amazing. I'd encourage you to find out more about Elam and uh, talk uh, to David and, and Louise and, and get the stories because it is inspiring and encouraging and we just love having you part of this. Thank, Thank you, you, David, Thank so you. much. Dave Slynn sent me a text message from Ibiza on Monday. Remember, we commissioned the whole team uh, to go out to Ibiza in April. He said, wow, what a full week it's been. We had our collective meeting and have been prayer walking through the streets of San Antonio with a short-term team, 
Liz has been hosting a breakfast for some of the sex workers and sharing the gospel with some German mums. Please pray for the kids as they go back to school. It's such a key uh, mission ground where we're already making great friendships. Lastly, please pray because we have a dead van in the middle of France. Uh, on July the 27th, uh, Dave sent a text. We, are facing a, we were facing a deficit of 6,000 euro, euros but I just received a message from someone saying they were in Ibiza on holiday last week and so inspired by the work of 24-7 Ibiza, they enclose a small gift, 5,000 euros. And they're just God providing, God uh, blessing. And the, the fact is, uh, just as we move into our, our final little interview, you know, we can all play a part in mission wherever we are, uh, wherever God has placed us in three ways. We can also our prayers. Jesus says, ask the Lord of the harvest. We can all pray for the sorts of things we've seen and heard today, but for our friends who don't know Jesus and for the church to be courageous and bold. Secondly, uh, we can all give ourselves in mission. We can always be prepared to share the reason for the hope that we have. We can share our faith in Jesus with the people uh, around us. And thirdly, we can all give financially to the mission of Jesus. It's the most amazing opportunity. In this uh, church, I'm uh, proud to say that this year, this financial year, we are spending 23% of our church budget uh, on mission that's not to do with us, but is to do with giving away locally and around uh, the world. Uh, that's church plant, uh, actually church planting separate to that. It's alpha, it's mission partnerships, it's work in local schools, it's community outreach, 23%. And uh, in a, uh, after we've commissioned the Woking guys, we're going to take up an offering. I want to be absolutely candid with you. We are £35,000 behind our budget right now, six months into the year. Not worried about it at all. The Lord always provides. But I know many of you just like to know. And that's where we're at. We're moving forward in faith. We're not backing off funding mission. Uh, we're here to make a difference. We're not here just to have a nice church. We want to change the world. But uh, it, maybe you can give just a few pounds. Maybe you start a standing order. Maybe you can give a, a larger gift. But uh, we are certainly praying for God to provide uh, for that and uh, to do so cheerfully. Uh, but my final uh, little interview uh, deliberately is with someone who can help us to think not just about, you know, Iran and Macedonia and Ibiza and the nations, but how each one of us can be a little bit more effective in mission, in sharing our faith. So, Jake, come and uh, grab a seat. Um, Jake, you've got an interesting tattoo on your arm there, haven't you? Yeah. I know one or two people have heard, heard this story before, many won't. Tell us what, what the tattoo's all about and why. Um, so it's 1 John 3, 1, which is uh, what love has God given us uh, that we can be called his children? Um, and why um, is a bit more of a bigger story. Um, basically, actually three days ago was the year anniversary, I don't know if it's anniversary, of my grandpa's death, and um, it was because of his life, really, is the reason why I got the tattoo, just he was such an inspiration. 
Um, yeah. So tell, tell us a little bit about that. How on earth, because not many people got, get tattoos for their grandparents. Most people's grandparents want them not to get tattoos. Yeah, it sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? Yes. Mm. So what, what was it about that scripture and, and, and your granddad's life? Tell us a bit about him. So my, my grandpa absolutely loved the gospel and absolutely loved Jesus. He's the kind of guy that he couldn't help but tell you about it. He told me about a million times the gospel and he knew that I was a Christian. And um, he, like, you, you know when you go into church and you say, like, how are you doing? He'd be the kind of guy who'd like, he'd tell you the gospel. He'd, like, he'd, he'd find out like, how you're doing but actually want to know how you're doing. And he'd write it down and he'd pray for you. He had this list that he'd, he'd pray every morning with my granny. He'd make her a cup of tea, get in bed, they'd do a Bible study in it. They'd write a list of all these people who uh, they wanted to pray for. And, and that was kind of throughout their life. They did this for 60 years um, together. Um, they were just coming up to their 60th year anniversary together. So that's, that's what they knew. And, um, yeah, they have this list that they pray for. And um, one of those people on the list was my, gran my, gran my granny's brother, who my grandpa, being my grandpa, told him so many times the gospel, but he was an atheist. He didn't want to know about it. He's just like, his name was Bob, one name. It's like, Bob, I don't want to know. Like, I just don't want to know. I just don't. And it, it, you know, it really made him sad just because he knows the love of Jesus. And it just, like, it oozed out of him. Every room that he'd go into, you, you just know, like, I, I need to speak to Bob at some point, no matter what age as well. Um, and at his funeral, it was absolutely packed. And this, it was like on like a Wednesday. People had to take the day off work to come. Um, there was one girl who was just a friend, and she told her um, work that it was uh, her, gran her grandpa. Because that's how much he meant to, to people. Um, and, and yeah, so it was that he's just like, he's just an incredible guy. The way that he kind of speak about his faith, it was like, you, you couldn't help but like want to know more and want to know, like, like, even I wanted to know why he was so happy all the time. He spoke about heaven like it was this incredible place. He was so excited to get in this relationship with Jesus um, and to be like so intimately close all the time. You're like, yeah, I'm up for that. He, I know, because I was talking to your dad literally only a few days ago, and yes, your dad was weeping as he was talking about his father, your grandfather. He, he said your grandfather had one great regret. And like you, I think your dad was going through some of his papers after he died. One yeah. great regret. What was that? So, yeah, um, yeah, dad found these papers at the, the, at the house when he was going through all of his work, all of his stuff to get rid of it. And um, it was the biggest regret was that he didn't come to know Jesus earlier. And how, how old was he when he came to know Jesus? When he was 23. So pretty when old. To, when he came to faith. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and what, what, he was he's a really successful guy, wasn't he? But I, he hardly talked about that. Yeah, so I only found this out like recently, actually, that um, he, he, he was an architect and he built like one of the tallest buildings in Manchester um, before the Hilton went up. And he just never spoke about work, really. He, he only really cared about you. He'd never really speak about himself. It was more about, like, what, how are you doing? Like, how can I pray for you? How can I? It was all about everyone else. It was never about him. Amazing. And to the point where, like, towards the end of his life, he, like, he went through this list. And he chose, with my granny, to go around through this list to see everyone, to tell them the gospel, to, just to make sure they'd definitely done it. Um, <laughs> I know, and so and so he did this, and then straight after that, how many people were on the list? Uh, loads of people. I mean, he went to Sweden, South Africa, Canada, like, and all the way through the UK, because there was a lot of people in the UK. Um, unfortunately, quite a few people um, had died on that list as well, because like, obviously he's such an old guy. Um, but yeah, 
And then, so, and then after that, he then went on holiday. So, hang on, everywhere, he turned up at all these people's houses yeah. and sort of over a meal or something yeah. said, by the way, I want to just check you know about I want to make sure that Jesus. I've definitely told you. Right. He told me so many times. Um, and, and, one, so could, and one of them, was that the guy you were talking about earlier, really didn't want to know? Yeah, that, my, my granny's brother, he, he didn't want to know. And, um, he just the, says, year before, yeah. the year before um, my grandpa died, he rang up and he was like, like, like I'm so sorry. I've, 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 come to, like, I've come to faith. Wow. So yeah, even the guy <laughs> who said to him, because your dad says to me, he, he, he went into his spiel over dinner and your grandma's brother said, shut up, I don't want to know about yeah. this. this. This is off the record. We don't talk. I'm sure many of us have tried to share faith with people and they're just antagonistic. He, even he then later came to faith. Yeah. And how many out of his little tour, because there was a whole bunch that gave their lives to the Lord there and then. Yeah, uh, you know, an unbelievable amount. And when, so after the funeral, obviously we were getting loads of letters in. We had over 200 letters coming in. And in, or every single one mentioned his faith. And over a hundred of them said that his life was one of the reasons why they came to faith. Wow. And, and out of all of sort of his descendants, like mm -hmm. his kids, grandkids, yeah. and what, uh, my, his great-grandkids, how many are Christians now? Everyone. Every single one. So a whole family, family tree got That's changed. That's the family. Well, when, when he, aged 23, handed his life over to Jesus. And this is a successful man, made a lot of money, but all he really loved talking about was Jesus. Yeah. Such an inspiration, isn't it? Wonderful. Thank you. If you can hear us up there, good job. So, thanks, Jake. So we're going we're gonna to do this now. We're going to uh, commission um, the uh, church plant uh, into Woking, and so I'd like to invite Josh and Emma up, and also let's get the whole, all those of you who are going on the church plant, part of the church plant, Mercer Road Woking, just make your way up on the stage uh, now, so Josh and Emma, who are going to lead the, uh, are leading the, the church, come on up. Exciting moment, we've been uh, preparing for uh, many months and um, it'd be great as well if the, the Jespersons could come and Roger Ellis, who helps uh, bring uh, input and oversight to this church. So, Josh, come and stand down here, down the front with Jackson. Brilliant. And it'd be great to get the, uh, the elders up as well. Uh, brilliant. Rog, Jespersons, come on in. So the, the Bible uh, talks about doing what we're doing now. We, we believe in church planting because it's wonderful when an individual shares their faith with someone, but there's something so powerful when a whole community says, this is what Jesus looks like, and we can love people and care for people and make a difference. And the vast majority of people in Woking are nowhere near church today, and uh, we want to we help reach them. We're not interested in people coming from other churches. We want other churches to succeed and thrive and prosper, and we pray for their blessing. 
but we want to reach those who don't know uh, him. And uh, in the Bible, we, we read about people laying on hands and commissioning and sending people, just as Jesus sent the 72. Uh, so uh, this is obviously Josh and Emma with little Jackson uh, who are leading the church plant. Guys, just tell us a little bit about what your, what your vision is for, for, the, for the church plant in Woking and why you've relocated your whole lives up here to lead this. Who's going first? Hi, everyone. Um, yeah, so we uh, moved up in June. Uh, I suppose just to reflect on why we're doing it is uh, this morning while I was having a coffee, I'm just reading the Emmaus Road passage because I figure it'd be good to know that one uh, as we're Emmaus Road woking. But um, I suppose for me, what it boils down to is the bit at the end of that story where it says, um, where the disciples just say, didn't we know that our hearts were burning? And um, for me, that's what it's about, is I just want to um, be part of a church where people's hearts are burning for Jesus. Uh, I want to kind of, I want a church in Woking to be um, somewhere where we all find our place there. The guys that opt into it, I'm super excited for that. I'm really humbled by how many people are, are here. But um, so we're going to go into a season of, of us guys finding our place uh, in Woking as a church. And as we do that, that all the other people in Woking who aren't yet in church would start to find their place. As you look on stats, it's basically be between about 5 and 7% of people are in church who live in Woking. That means there's loads that aren't. And so like the songs we're singing and all the people on the videos and what we've been hearing this morning is that there's a world out there that needs to find Jesus and to fall in love with him and for their whole life to be informed by a passion and their heart to burn for Jesus. That's our vision, and uh, yeah, we're super excited. Brilliant. And Emma, just give us one, if you, if you were to, there's one thing you want us to pray for, what's your number one thing that you would love us, not just now, but, you know, through the week ahead, obviously your first formal public meeting is next Sunday in the Lighthouse there. What's the one prayer request you'd have? Um, I think that, the one thing that I'd love really for all of us um, is that this place becomes home. And I think that's the prayer over the, the next bit as we're working out some practicalities um, around what it all looks like and how kind of the gathering part of it actually works. What we want is to firstly create a place where we know what it is to find home. And like Josh said, find our place, you know, like be able to... Um, use our gifts, contribute, and really like be everything that, we, that we've been created to be. Plus, we start at 9.30, so an extra bit of grace when we wake up next Sunday would be great. And part of the reason for starting a bit earlier is that we're going to be sharing often, not always, but preachers between the two sites, and there'll be Sundays like this we'll come together through the years. So we're staying really as one church, but different congregations. So we'd love to pray for these guys now, and as I say, we've got Roger. Give us a wave, Roger. Uh, has come up, uh, especially to be part of this process. Roger helps bring oversight with John Peterson to this church. Eric and Rebecca, who uh, head up social transformation for us, uh, but also uh, pioneered Woking Vineyard, uh, which is right at the heart of what's happening here, a, a part of this blessing process. And then also uh, so the elders of the church, uh, Scott and Misty Bauer and uh, Sammy and Bill and Nikki. And me and so on. So I wonder if we could all stand together, please. And um, 
What we're going to do is, first of all, uh, the, 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 there's a prayer of blessing that's going to come up on the screens. And I'd love us all just to uh, stretch out your hands towards these guys, towards Josh and Emma, but also the whole team. And let's do, really pray this together. And then we might pray one or two personal uh, prayer requests uh, as well. So uh, when, when you're ready, let's go. We commission you in the name of Jesus to proclaim good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, and to proclaim his favor to the people and institutions of Woking. We bless you with faith for the impossible, eyes for the invisible, and love for the unlovable. May God give you favor in the city, strength in the hard times, health in your families, and joy in true community. We bless you with tears for the lost, anger against injustice, frustration with mediocrity. We send you out in the name of the Father who loves the people of Woking and of the Son who died for the people of Woking and of the Spirit who intercedes for us all. Amen. And now let's just have one or two other prayers, Rog. Lord, we want to thank you for this season, for this time. Thank you for this going, this sending. We thank you for the journey that the whole community is on here, first in Guildford, then to Ibiza, now to Woking, so many other spokes to the wheel. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you that you've, you've called us to live together, to grow together, to meet our partners together, to marry our partners together, to help bring up one another's children, to help bury one another's parents, to conspire together in great works and great aspirations, to see dreams emerge, to, to see dreams fall even, to work through, but we proclaim your kingdom. We lay our lives down for your kingdom. And so we ask, Lord, Holy Spirit, that you will come and you will anoint this group of people. And we say, go forth and multiply in the name of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. In that place, in the environs around Woking, we say, multiply, be blessed. We pray that everything that you turn your hands to will prosper. Lord, we pray that the, the, the arid places and the dry places will be irrigated, will bring forth life, that there will just be life everywhere. Amen. Just come, we pray, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Yeah, Father, we thank you for Josh, Nemer, and Jackson, Lord, and for bringing them to be part of our family. Yeah. We thank you for each person who's... Um, on this journey with them, uh, who's either was already at working or is moving to be a part of that uh, new expression. And I just, um, just was reminded of this verse in Joshua 1 where um, God says to Joshua when he gives him his mission, he says, I'll give you every place where you set your foot. And um, I feel like God has already given you the land and he's just inviting you to step into what is already yours. Um, obviously, there are people who prepared the way, who've got
gone before and we honor them and we love them, but that God is saying, I'm giving you everywhere, every place you, you set your foot is already, is already mine and I've given it to you. Uh, so step into it and claim it. And Father, we pray for uh, conversations in the streets. We pray for strangers to become friends. And we pray, Lord, that uh, you would use this, this new expression, Lord, to be a place of hope where there's hopelessness, a light where there's darkness. We pray, Father, that you would use it to bring about unity with other churches, even greater unity with other churches in working, Lord. We pray for greater friendships, Lord, for, um, for that to be strengthened. And we pray, Lord, that uh, Woking would know that you, are, uh, that, that you know Woking, that you love Woking. In Jesus' name, amen. Just want to pray for you guys out of Hebrews 12. That since you're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses here, these witnesses to the life of faith, we want to bless you, challenge you, encourage you right now to run the race marked out before you. The race that God has set before you right now. We bless you to do that with perseverance, with endurance, with tenacity, with courage. We bless you now to do that with your eyes fixed on Jesus. He started this race before you and he will finish it. May he give you the courage he had to endure all that's before you. May he set joy before you, a clear sense of the finish line, of what he's called you to, a sense of the goal, of what you're running towards, the heavenly finish line. And may he give you the strength, the endurance to persevere through all things, that you would not grow weary, but you would have strong hands and legs and feet, that your hearts would stay strong, that you would encourage those around you to run this race with you. Those who have um, just weak faith and, and need strength from you, that you would have it in all its fullness and that you would uh, reap a huge harvest of righteousness, a huge harvest for the kingdom of God. We bless you now to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And we just want to say to all of you going on this plant, some of you already there, some of you moving, um, thank you for obeying Jesus' great command. Uh, hear him saying to you, go, and the harvest is plentiful. And um, we want to declare over you a new season in your individual lives and your families and in your networks and friendships and even in your workplaces. This is a new season. Uh, we declare this. Be in faith for that. Have eyes to see it. Pray with fresh faith because there are new opportunities. There's acceleration coming. Prayers that you've been waiting on for a long time are suddenly going to start kicking in because the Spirit of God is just yearning for people like you to be willing to go and to proclaim the good news. And when you do, it triggers something deep within the heart of God. 
And so we pray, come Holy Spirit this day, not just upon this new church, but upon Woking, in the name of Jesus. Amen.